I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 199! <laughs> We're so close! So close. We're like a week away. Oh, clever. Well, since we're one away, let's jump right in. Just kidding. We always do that. Hey, first off, I love your podcast. I listen to it while I work on my crafts. Y'all have freaked me out a few times. I totally freaked myself out getting gas after listening to the one with the children with the black eye. I'm pretty sure the gas station attendant thought I was on something. Anywho, I'm from Southern Indiana. 45 minutes south of where I live is Evansville, Indiana. There's an old library called Willard Library, and it's haunted. The Gray Lady is what she's called. They had ghost hunters there before a few times, I believe. My mom is a local historian for our county and a geologist. She has done a lot of research at Willard through the years, and as a child, I went with her a lot. My mom has had a few run-ins with a ghost. On the third floor, my mom was walking down the aisle to get a book and walked through cold spots. She said it was like walking through a freezer. Some people have said they smelled old-timey perfume. When I was about 13, I was there late one night with my mom. There was no restroom on the third floor, so I had to go down to the first floor. There was just my mom, me, the librarian, and maybe one other person. I walked into the restroom and into one of the stalls. I heard the door open and someone walk in, and heels clicking on the floor. I heard the stall next to me open and shut. I didn't see any feet under the stall and then was hit with a strong perfume smell. I quickly finished up and got the hell out of Dodge. The entire way back up to the third floor, I felt like I was being watched or followed. They do ghost tours during the month of October as well. I went on a lot of those while my mom did research, so much that the guides knew my name. You hadn't done that story, right? Mm-mm. I wonder about the gray lady. They didn't really say anything about the gray lady unless the clickety-clackety-clickety-clack right. was the gray lady. I'll tell you what. As a ghost, I'm not wearing heels. You're going to hear the flip of my flop. Okay, the next one. Maybe paranormal story, question mark? Hi, ladies. The story below is from my daughter. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Ivy, and I'm eight years old. I listened to the podcast with my mom before school and wanted to send you my story. So anyway, this story actually happened to me and my friend who is also eight years old. So we were at my house on Saturday when we decided to go outside, and that's when we saw it. Two dark shadows that looked just like ours ran behind us. I was terrified. I asked her if she saw it too. She said yes, and then we heard rustling leaves, but there was no breeze at all. We looked back where the shadows were, and there was nothing there. The next day, I felt tapping on my shoulder, and I kept getting cold when I was actually hot. Nothing else happened, and I'm really glad. Creep it real and don't get scared. You may be our youngest listener. I know. Well, I think we got some, like, toddlers, but, like... That's wrote in. Yeah, that like, and it understands. You yeah. Know. Well, I'm glad nothing bad happened. Also, did you see your doppelgangers? I'm glad you got the heck out of there. Yes. At first, I was like, oh gosh, they were scared of their own shadow. But like, <laughs> if their shadow wasn't there when they looked back. And if it was moving, this ain't Peter Pan. Right, exactly. Okay, the next one. Hi, my name is Michaela, and I've been a longtime listener and decided to give you guys my paranormal story. So my then boyfriend and I decided to go with his sister, her husband, and his other sister to an Indian burial ground. Yeah, I know that wasn't a good idea. But her husband had told us stories about his experience there, and we wanted to just see if we could see or hear anything. We get to the trail, and we get about a half mile down the road and find a Civil War graveyard. So we decided to take pictures. After we took pictures, we started walking back to our cars, and that's when a lot of activity started. We get to the fork in the road, and there was this huge tree in front of us, and we heard what sounded like someone or something jumping down from the tree. 
So we were all like, nope, and started walking faster to get out. Well, the spirits followed us to make sure we left. We would walk and hear someone walking beside us in the woods. We would stop. They would stop. So we get to our cars and we're just standing around talking and taking more pictures. My husband's sister was facing our cars and she said that she felt something tug her hoodie. She was freaked. And she was telling us she wanted to go home and we all told her, no, let's stay a little longer. Nothing really has happened. And his other sister decided that she wanted to say, if you're here, give us a sign. When she got that out of her mouth, something threw a rock at my boyfriend's car and we all got the hell out of Dodge. Sorry for the long story. P.S. We recently went back to the Indian Barrel Ground. I'll send that story if you guys like. Two out of the last three stories have said the hell out of Dodge. Okay, I was like, huh, why did that just like when you were reading it, it popped into my head? Yeah. And I'm like, did you say it in a story? No, I was going to say it to the last story because it was in the first story. And then I didn't because I didn't want to say hell because it was an (laughs) eight-year-old. Meanwhile, they listened to us. So true. Yeah, no, because the first story got the hell out of Dodge in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, y'all went back? What the hell? I know. But yeah, send us that story, though. <laughs> I mean, a car was damaged and y'all went back? Do you know how mad I would be? Because I get super mad when something dings my uh, windshield. When something sounds like it's hit. And oh, my it, God. Oh, my God. My, well, my stomach hurts. I'm like, <gasps> Mine is so dinged up right now because things keep hitting me on the interstate. And I'm like, Rah! have so many cracks i know i need to go get it fixed like i mean it's just like the starburst you know no i need a full replacement oh but also the girl wanted to leave and y'all like nothing really has happened yet and those spirits were like oh hold on hold my beer yeah meanwhile something had happened to her though her freaking hoodie was pulled very true okay the next one room 232 hello there i'm telling my story today to heal some old wounds from my past It will all probably sound like a cliche, scary story, but every experience I and my roommates went through was genuinely terrifying. I'll need to keep names and places and people anonymous, but besides that, I will keep the facts straight. To preface my story, I must explain some important details. My name is Jessie, and my background is strictly Christian. I was raised going to church three times a week and even attended a private Christian school at the church. Although rules were abundant and very strict, I was never bothered by them. I simply accepted the rules as normal. Even after all I went through, I would still say that I had a good upbringing because I know my parents did their best to give me a good life. By the time my high school graduation came around, I decided to attend a small Christian college in Kentucky. Being from California, this decision sounded ridiculous. However, I wanted some freedom and there weren't many church-approved colleges from which to choose. If freedom meant moving 2,000 miles away from home to get an acceptable college, then so be it. Everything about moving to Kentucky was so different from California. The terrain, the weather, the people, the food, it was all so new for me and I loved it. My freshman year consisted of meeting new people, learning how to live on my own, and just living a chaotic lifestyle to the fullest. It was an adventure. However, my college experience would soon slowly end in absolute madness. My story begins in the fall of 2019, about a week before my sophomore year started. Since I worked on the college campus, it was required of me to arrive one week early before move-in day to prepare the college for the first few weeks of the school year. This was convenient for me since I could move into my room before the other students arrived. I felt confident starting the year. 
I knew how the system worked, and I knew how to survive without being overwhelmed. The college, like my church, had strict rules. Did I follow them all? No, but I understood if I kept a clean record and a low profile, I would have no issues. Plus, I had a good reputation around campus, so I was trusted by staff. This would come back to bite me later, but at the time, it was a good thing. I was assigned the position of room captain to my room. Therefore, I knew who my roommates were before move-in day. Two of them were returning students, both sophomores, and one freshman. One of them, let's call her Ray, was already living in the dorm since she was working a job in the area. I gathered my belongings and moved into room 232. It was a fairly nice room compared to the other rooms. It had brand new bunk beds and new carpet. It smelled and looked fresh. I did not have any bad feelings upon entering the room, but it was probably because I was so distracted with my new roommate, Ray. Ray and I were already friends before we were roommates, so it was easy moving in with her. We enjoyed our free time together and mentally prepared for the year ahead of us. Move-in day arrived, and it was a breeze. The campus was bustling with new and returning students. I spent some time walking around campus greeting friends and meeting new students. Sometime during the afternoon, my second roommate arrived. I have to admit, I was nervous to meet her. Her name was Diane, and she was more of an acquaintance than a friend. However, I was pleasantly surprised with how well we hit it off. We spent the rest of the afternoon and evening moving her belongings into the room. My third roommate did not arrive that day, but would arrive within the next few days. The first night was exciting. The three of us celebrated the new school year and bonded instantly. A few days passed until my third roommate arrived. All of us were nervous about our last roommate, but were relieved when she was very sweet and easygoing. Her name was Jen, and she was only 17. Finally, the anxiety of having a new roommate was over. I understood how lucky I was to have great roommates. In fact, looking back now, I truly do not believe I would have made it through the year without them. The school year started and we all had our separate lives. However, we were all roommates and so we ended up in the same place at the end of the day, room 232. It all began on me the first Tuesday night of the school year. I was lying in my bed, dozing off to the sound of the dehumidifier in my room when I felt something pulling at my leg. I wasn't startled, surprisingly. In fact, I was more annoyed than alarmed. I pulled my leg back and rolled over to my previous position. Almost instantly, I was jerked off my bed by my leg and dragged across the floor to Ray and Diane's bunk bed. To say I was scared would be a crime. I was horrified. The next thing I remember was being lifted midair next to the bunk bed and hearing an unrecognizable scream leave my throat. I gasped into consciousness and was covered in sweat. It was just a nightmare. I've always had vivid dreams. However, nightmares were extremely rare. I didn't worry about it, though. Besides, the school year had just started, and it was probably my subconscious interpreting the stress from the last few days. I took a few deep breaths and slipped back into unconsciousness. The next day, another oddity happened. I was getting ready to attend church that evening when I got a very deep, depressed feeling. I hesitated a moment and tried to think about something else. I figured it was probably just hormones messing with me. But then things got weird. Out of nowhere, a gruesome image appeared in my head. It was a very graphic scene of my lifeless, naked body laying in the room's bathtub with slit wrist. 
It was comparable to watching a violent scene of a slasher movie over and over, but not having the luxury to look away. I was disturbed, to say the least. Nothing like this had ever happened to me before. I went to church that night, but in reality, I wasn't there at all. I couldn't shake the sadness, and I couldn't shake the vision. The rest of the night was somewhat a blur. All I know is I woke up the next morning completely fine, so I dismissed the troubles of the previous night. School activities began to take shape over the next week. The campus became quiet as more students found jobs. For me, my job was running the shop on-site, so I didn't need to leave the property very often, which worked out because I didn't have a car at the time. When Saturday came around, all my roommates had jobs. Ray and Diane worked off-campus, and Jen worked in the cafeteria on-campus. Although we were busy, we wanted to get to know each other better, so we planned a mini-party for that Sunday night. We spent that evening laughing, talking, and eating all kinds of junk food. Near the end of the night, we asked different questions like, what's your favorite food? What's your background? And after answering a few questions, the question of what's your biggest fear was asked. When Ray answered, she said the idea of being forced into human trafficking scared her the most. It was a very specific fear. The night went on and we eventually went to sleep. The next morning, we were getting ready for classes when Ray approached me. She said that she had scratches on her private area and she wasn't sure how they got there. I figured she accidentally scratched herself in her sleep, but when she showed me her nails, they were short. Not rounded short, but cut to the edge of her skin short. I really didn't know what to think, but I figured there must have been some sort of explanation. Ray mentioned that there were rumors that this room was haunted, and I had heard the same rumor but didn't pay it any mind. However, I couldn't help but think of that nightmare and the suicide image from earlier in the week. I was comfortable with Ray, so I didn't have any trouble telling her what had happened. We kept the events to ourselves, but didn't forget them. The next day, we woke up in a bit of a shock. None of the alarms had gone off, and so we were frustrated. As I hurried to get to class, Ray mentioned that she heard voices next door when she got home from work the night prior. This may have not seemed like something out of the ordinary, but the room next door was the dorm supervisor's apartment, and she lived alone. But the worst part was, she was out of town for personal business until spring semester. To keep this story straight, I'll need to describe the construction of the dormitory. The dormitory was a renovated motel from the late 1990s. The motel was a two-floored building with a left wing and a right wing connected by a lobby area. Once the motel was renovated, the right wing was transformed into the ladies' dorm and the left was made into the men's. The lobby area that connected the two wings had several different areas, the snack shop, the cafeteria, the mailroom, and the social area. Although the building was old, the building itself was almost completely made of concrete, so the walls and the foundation were strong. Our floor was located at the far corner of the right wing, which was next to the supervisor's apartment. The apartment was originally two motel rooms, but was renovated into a single unit. The supervisor, let's call her Miss Thompson, very rarely let anyone into her apartment. Honestly, I didn't blame her. She most likely wanted her privacy. However, the voices next door were still a mystery. I figured the college was having maintenance fix something in her room, but Ray wasn't convinced. And she had every right to doubt that explanation because Ray would get home at around 12.45 to 1 o'clock in the morning, so it would have been odd to have maintenance working at that hour. Our lives continued, but unexplainable events kept happening. One afternoon before work, I heard thumping next door. 
Maybe it was rats or pests, I didn't know, and I didn't have the time to think about the possibilities. Frankly, I didn't want to believe it was something paranormal, nor did I want to worry about it. It was just thumping in the wall. That was it. Nothing more, nothing less. But things weren't so easy for Ray. She had new scratches, and this time they were on her hand. When she showed it to me, the best I could have described it as was an animal scratch. There were three parallel scratches on the top of her hand. I looked at her nails again, but they were still very short. There's no way she could have done that in her sleep. And it's unlikely that it happened at work. She worked a desk job and didn't move around much. She would have known if she had scratched her hand, right? I didn't know what to think. I didn't want to believe something was going on, but something deep down knew something was very wrong. I started noticing that our room didn't feel the same. It felt like someone was always watching you. At this point, my sleep started getting uncomfortable. I'm naturally a long, deep sleeper, and I can usually sleep through just about anything. One can blame it on college stress, but this was different. I felt nervous when I went to bed and couldn't get to sleep. Even if I had a busy day, I couldn't get to sleep or stay asleep. When it finally came time to lie down, I would hear rustling in the closets. We had two sections in the room that were designated for closet space, and my bunk bed faced outward toward the center of the room. I was exposed to both of them, one on each side. I could hear movement, but I didn't dare look. Even if I wanted to see what was making the noise, I couldn't physically see because it was so dark and I didn't have my glasses on. Sometimes I would feel as if someone was tapping the bottom of my mattress, and I slept on the bottom bunk so I knew it wasn't a roommate playing some joke. The tapping would always be where my head was resting, and it would last for a long time. It became normal to hear noises next door in the supervisor's apartment, even though she wasn't back. I ignored it most of the time. However, things started to get worse. Ray and I began talking about the weird events with Diane, but Diane wasn't convinced, and I didn't blame her. I didn't think anything was happening either until I started paying better attention. We discussed the topic a bit more over the following weeks, but Diane didn't believe anything unusual was happening until one night. Diane claimed that she was in bed when she heard someone whisper her name. Thinking it was Ray, she called out but got no answer. The next morning, Diane confronted Ray about it, but Ray denied it. It was weird, but it could be explained by someone talking in their sleep which in our case was most likely Jen. She sleep-talked almost every night. We would joke about Jen saying strange things. I brought it up in conversation with Jen halfway through the semester, but strangely, Jen said that she had never been told that before. Being from a family of 10 siblings, it shocked me that this was news to her. I didn't sweat it, but it was weird and creepy. Jen was on the top bunk of my bed so I could hear her talk, but I couldn't see her. Ray and Diane both claimed on several occasions Jen would sit up in the night, face towards Miss Thompson's apartment wall, and talk for long periods of time. Sometimes they said that she would be talking in another language. I heard this as well, but I couldn't identify what language it was. All of this just added to the uneasiness we felt from living in room 232. I started getting curious about our situation. Some people claimed the room was haunted, but I wasn't having any luck with the history of our room. First, I looked into the motel itself, but had no luck. Then I started casually poking around just to see if I could get in touch with previous students who had lived in that room. Even if I could get in touch with them, what would I say? I had very little success, but I didn't give up. I wanted answers, and I was determined to find them. At this time, my mood started to deteriorate. I was more blunt and less friendly. 
The drained feeling was so overwhelming at times that I couldn't perform my everyday task. My roommate started feeling the same symptoms. We all still loved each other and got along, surprisingly, but it was very obvious that we were all tired. One night, Ray got home and decided to take a bath. The rest of us were already asleep in bed, but she swore someone shook the doorknob to the bathroom trying to get in. That must have been very scary, and I felt badly for her. It seemed like it was affecting her the most out of all of us. She already had underlying health issues, and she needed sleep, but she just wasn't getting it. I could feel it just weighing on her. Another night, Diane heard her name whispered in the night again. However, this time she knew it wasn't Ray or Jen. The next morning, she told me about it, and she became nervous. Me, Ray, and Diane were convinced that something was wrong with room 232. Jen, on the other hand, was the only one who didn't give the idea much thought. We talked about the weird things that happened, but most of the time, we didn't tell Jen. She was only 17 after all, and she didn't notice anything strange, so it was a blessing in disguise. We also didn't want to scare her. Even though she didn't talk about the weird things that happened, it didn't stop them from happening. One day, Jen couldn't find the kitchen keys. All of us helped her and literally looked through everything trying to find those keys. After about 15 minutes, I heard Jen gasp in surprise when she called us over to her desk. The keys were delicately sitting right in the middle of the empty desk. There's no way any of us could have missed them. The end of the semester was approaching and I was eager to go home for Christmas. At this point, I truly felt my mental health starting to decline. I started feeling impulsive, depressed, and downright crazy. I felt my discretion and character starting to slip. However, I kept my reputation normal. After work one night, I was getting ready to take a shower when I noticed something on my chest. It was a bruise. I stood there staring at it, desperately trying to think of an explanation, but I knew this wasn't my doing. As I stood there, I realized that this was no longer something that could be dismissed. We needed help. I felt responsible for my roommate's well-being. I was only the room monitor, but I felt it was my fault that they were being hurt by this thing. Stupidly, I had nicknamed the presence and continuously disregarded their pain. This needed to stop. I decided that next day I would do the best thing I knew to do to get rid of an unholy presence. I fasted and I prayed with all that I had within me. One needs to understand that I was never taught how to handle anything like this. I was just doing my best. My roommates prayed with me a few nights to help me stay strong. My fasting period lasted six days, and by the end, I felt peace. The end of the semester came, and we all went home for Christmas. I thought it was over. Little did I know, it was far from the end. My second semester was about to start in January of 2020. All of my roommates arrived back, and we started getting back into the hang of things. I had almost forgotten about our room after such a nice holiday, but as soon as I stepped into the room, I could feel something was wrong. I was confused. I had fasted and prayed and everything was better, right? It felt stronger than before, and the heaviness was thick enough to cut with a knife. Ray sensed it too. What in the world was going on here? I began thinking through the options until one seemed to be the most logical one. Witchcraft. It had to be the answer. I thought through my roommates. No, it couldn't be one of them. I see them live their lives with a deep love of people and for God. When I was alone, I searched through some of the room to see if there was anything suspicious. Alas, nothing. I just couldn't put my finger on it. After a few weeks, my roommates and I decided that we needed help from someone who was more experienced in this sort of thing. We all worked together and put together a list of everything that had happened to us. 
I put a list of what each thing could have been along with what had happened. We agreed as a room we would take this to the administration and try to get help. I got us an appointment with the vice president and Ray and I prepared for the meeting. I would have liked all of us to be at the meeting, but our work schedules were all too different. Before the meeting, Ray and I had discussed a few things in the room by ourselves. We were busy discussing when I noticed something. The flame from a candle we had burning on the dresser was acting strange. There was absolutely no movement in the room, yet the flame was almost dancing. It was hard to explain, but the flame was at least two times as big as it should have been, and it was whipping around intensely like someone was playing with it. Ray and I looked at each other and decided it was time to leave. We arrived at the vice president's office and began the meeting. I did most of the talking, but Ray gave her input when she wished. I was extremely nervous, but the vice president listened intently. By the end of the meeting, both of us felt heard and were confident that he would get us help. He was sincere and said he would get back to us about getting the issue solved. Until then, we had to endure. We were relieved after we left the office. Finally, this would all be over. Even though I was relieved that we were getting help, the presence in our room did not lighten. All of us were absolutely exhausted, mentally and physically. Diane started having panic attacks and missing classes. Ray started missing classes completely just to get some sleep. Jen was sleep-talking and tossing in her sleep more than ever. I overall felt like I was losing my mind. I wasn't sleeping well, and I was missing work and school. One night, I had something very scary happen to me. It's not scary in perspective of what I remember. It's scary in perspective of what I don't remember. All I can say is I remember walking back from the lobby one night, and then my memory blinks. The next thing I remember is Diane is shaking and waking me up. I was sitting on the concrete in the cold right outside my door. I was completely disoriented. What had happened to me? Diane and I were obviously terrified from this, and I still can't remember what happened to this day. This wasn't the only time when a situation could not be remembered. There was another night when Ray, Diane, and myself were all up late talking on Ray's bed. According to Ray, she specifically remembers me being too scared to even put my feet on the floor to get to my bed. I have no recollection of this. In fact, I do not have any recollection besides staying up late, talking, and then just all sleeping in Ray's bed. Now, it's not uncommon for girlfriends to sleep together. However, three girls in a single twin bunk bed is a little excessive. Diane believes it has something to do with Jen, who was already asleep in bed at the time. Nevertheless, none of us remember the details of that night, but one thing is certain, something terrified us enough to all sleep in Ray's bed. Even now, as we recall it years later, we still wonder what happened. What horrible event made our brains protect our sanities by forgetting and pushing out the entire night? I suppose we'll never know. Things only got worse while we waited for help from the administration. The next event was not my story, but I'll do my best to be as accurate as possible. One Saturday night, Diane and Ray were up talking after Jen and I went to sleep. Once Diane climbed up into the bed, she started hearing rustling around the room. Diane asked Ray if she heard it too, and Ray agreed. Instantly, Diane got down from her bunk and joined Ray on her bottom bunk, which was lit with fairy lights. The rustling continued from the closet, and items started falling from the closet. Horrified, Diane started having a panic attack as the rustling continued. Ray tried to help Diane calm down, but she started having a panic attack of her own. 
The noises moved from the closet to the other closet across the room to the bathroom. At this point, they realized they needed my help. They claimed that they both came over to my bed and started shaking me to wake up. I was such a light sleeper at that time, I didn't understand how I didn't wake up. After no avail with me, they went back to Ray's bed and eventually calmed down and went to sleep with the fairy lights on. They didn't tell me the story until the next day. About two weeks after our first meeting, the vice president finally called a meeting with Jen. I wondered why it was just for her and not all of us. However, I did feel a bit of relief in me knowing that we might get help. After Jen got out of the meeting, I asked her what he said, but all she told me was that he asked her a few questions about her history with witchcraft and her history with medications. Nothing happened for a couple of days, but then Diane was called into the office. When she got out of the meeting, she was frustrated. We talked about it, and she said that he focused more on the medication history rather than the witchcraft history. I was somewhat surprised at this. Next, Ray was called in, and the same process took place. Once again, I talked about the meeting, and she said the vice president was acting very differently. She said he wasn't taking the situation seriously as he was in the first meeting. I felt anger bubble up inside me as I heard her tell me this. I knew I was next. The next day, I was called into the office. He started interviewing me with general questions, and I kept an open mind. He asked me a few questions about performing witchcraft and a few questions about my medication history. I answered them honestly, but was wanting something more. Was that all? Was that the administration's way of dealing with this demon-oppressed room? He started to wrap up his questionnaire when I stopped him. I was desperate. I was pleading with him to believe us. We aren't crazy, I said. Having four people see and experience the same thing isn't just a delusional coincidence. It's all the truth and we need help. I went on to tell him other things that had happened since the first meeting we had with him. I probably looked out of my mind, to be honest. With red eyes, dark circles, and a desperate stuttering voice, it most likely appeared that I had imagined everything. However, I knew he trusted me. He was my boss, after all. After a few minutes of my input, I found it was getting me nowhere. He seemed like he wanted to believe me and help me, but just didn't know how. I knew something was up. Apparently, the vice president had talked our story over with the president of the college. The president must have thought our story was bogus, and this is why the vice president couldn't do anything about it. I was appalled. The president of the college was the pastor of the church. I left that office enraged. I knew we were in this fight on our own. A few days after this, we were all called into the office for a final meeting. This time, the dorm supervisor sat in on the meeting with us. I wasn't happy with this move, but dealt with it anyway. I sat in the seat and listened to the vice president tell us there was nothing they could do to help us, and we would just have to tough it out until the end of the year. As I heard his words, I couldn't even look him in the eye. I just stared at the floor and I felt my heart break. I felt my roommate's pain. I couldn't help them and they would have to suffer. When the meeting was over, we left in silence and I went back to my room and I started questioning everything. I tried my best to pray, but I felt like there was a massive wall between him and I. I could feel invisible mockery of the demon. I couldn't do this anymore. I put on my headphones and blasted music so loudly I couldn't possibly hear the voice inside my head. I sat in my bathroom and just cried and cried until I couldn't physically do it anymore. Suddenly, my worst nightmare happened. The gory image that appeared to me earlier in the year returned. I instantly called Ray, sobbing, telling her what was happening. She was at work, but she wasted no time in taking an emergency leave and telling me to leave the room and give her 10 minutes to come and get me. 
I am forever grateful for her doing this. She arrived and she drove me far away and parked. When I calmed down, we started talking and tried to remember the good memories we had. After about an hour and a half, we came back to the college. From this point on, my personality wasn't the same and it showed. The name calling in the night continued. The bruises became bigger and more frequent. The insomnia and the nightmares grew abnormal. To say we were exhausted would be an understatement. Ray and Diane both claimed to have seen an entity, but I only had glimpses of it in my dreams. Jen stayed busy and oblivious, although I could tell she was exhausted. She never told me if she saw it, but I didn't ask. Nights became more scary as time went. Many times I would hear sounds of something massive crawling on the walls and ceiling. Diane said that some nights she could feel something staring at her from the ceiling onto her bed. My suspicions of witchcraft grew and I had my theories. I kept them to myself, but I continued to search for answers. I got in contact with previous college students who lived in room 232, and I found out we weren't the only ones who faced horrifying experiences. The vice president claimed he had never heard of this kind of issue before in the college, and I believed him, and I still do. However, asking many people, I found out that this was not news to one particular person, the dorm supervisor, Miss Thompson. I wasn't shocked at this discovery. There were plenty of rumors out there about her. I wasn't a fan of her myself because she had a reputation of getting too deep into people's business, but I didn't want rumors to be the foundation for my theories. I continued my research and asked questions to find the culprit. Someone had to be inviting this entity in and letting it live in the dorms, and I knew it wasn't me or my roommates. And then it hit me. I remembered something. When I was on tour the previous summer, my group came back to the college for a day and were asked to stay in room 235 for the night since our regular room was getting work done on it. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary until I got ready to go to sleep that night. I was working on my laptop that night and when I finished, I put it in a secure place on the right-hand side of my body. I leaned back and closed my eyes. Instantly, my friends and I were startled when there was a loud crash in the room. We used our phone lights to see what had happened when we saw my laptop clear across the room, completely shattered. I was stunned and tried to make sense of it and didn't know how it ended up all the way across the room like that. Keep in mind, this happened months before I was in room 232. The oldest in the room, Daisy, instantly spoke up and said she wasn't dealing with any demons tonight and she told it to leave. I laughed, thinking she was joking, and went on to sleep. I had forgotten about the incident until then. The worst part was room 232 and 235 surround one thing, Miss Thompson's apartment. I was stunned by that discovery. My theory was not proven until one night. It was late on a school night when I was setting out my outfit for the next day when Miss Thompson came into the room without warning. She asked me if I knew where Ray was. I figured she was still finishing up work, so I told her just that. Apparently, Ray and her sister were missing and no one knew where they were. She left and I was worried for Ray. I didn't have my phone, so I couldn't contact her. I decided to stay up and wait for her. After a long while, my anxiety grew worse, so I decided to leave the room and ask Miss Thompson if there were any updates on her whereabouts. I left the room and boldly knocked on her apartment door, then waited a bit. I knocked again, but I realized she wasn't there. I started to walk away when someone knocked on the door from the opposite side. I was stunned. It couldn't have been Miss Thompson. There was no logical reason why she would do that. I was angry, worried, and satisfied all at the same time. My theory was true. 
The demon was coming from Miss Thompson's apartment, and she was not being completely honest with the administration about the situation. Eventually, Ray did come home, and it was all a big misunderstanding. I told my discovery to my roommates, excluding Jen. I loved Jen, but didn't want to scare her. None of us did. They weren't shocked. Both of them had their fair shares of issues with Miss Thompson. I kept my distance from Miss Thompson from that moment on, but my simple choice would not be as easy to keep as I thought. Miss Thompson approached me one night after devotions and said the strangest thing to me. She said, I've noticed something's been off with your spirit lately. Is everything okay? I laughed out loud. I found it ironic that she would ask me this after she knew that the administration told us they weren't going to help us with our issue. I assured her I was fine. She pressed hard on the subject, but I didn't budge. However, I knew I should at least try to solve the problem. When she left, she said her office was always open. Maybe I was wrong about the whole thing. Maybe I should give her a chance. I decided to go to her office the next day. I didn't want to go off subject, and I wanted the meeting to be short and sweet. By the next day, I had a deep feeling that I should not go through with this meeting, but for once, I ignored my gut and went anyway. She closed the door behind me and I got right to the point. I asked her what she noticed was different about my spirit. How could I fix it? Immediately, I knew this was a mistake by what she asked. She said, oh, nothing in particular. I felt trapped. Then she started asking me questions, not generic questions, but personal questions. I wasn't letting this person get into my life that easily. I gave curt and general answers. Then she pressed further. She brought up something so incredibly personal that I could feel the anger bubble up inside me again. Why would she bring that up? How did she even know I was deeply involved in that? This particular business was my Achilles heel, and I was appalled that she brought it up like she did. I answered almost everything with the same simple phrase, that's my personal business and I don't feel comfortable answering that. This little interview went on for 45 minutes. The more I sat, the more attacked I felt. I cut the meeting short by coming up with some excuse. She tried to break me for information and tried to take advantage of me when she saw I was not doing well. She knew and I knew she knew. I never in my life had been so angry about anything. Spring break was approaching fast when my roommates and I hurried to get the last-minute projects done. One day after classes, Diane and I were in the room by ourselves. I relaxed on my bed while she took a short nap before work. I was scrolling through the internet when I heard Diane moan something. Shut up. Her voice sounded annoyed. You're so loud. I found it somewhat funny, but I didn't pay it any mind. About 15 minutes later, Diane woke up and I asked her if she remembered talking. Surprisingly, she said she did because she said I was being too loud. I was confused and I told her I hadn't made any noise during her nap. In fact, I hadn't moved from the bed at all while she was sleeping. Diane then went on to explain she heard someone laughing and clapping in the closet on the right side of the room. We were both creeped out from this. One other specific detail would be the smell. It would come and go randomly. Now, given the fact that there are four girls living in one room may lead someone to believe that the presence of our bodies and our stuff would cause all kinds of smells. This is true to a point. However, our room was spotless. This is not an exaggeration. I would go as far to say that our room was the cleanest room on campus. All of us worked so hard to keep our room uncluttered and clean. The smell was so hard to describe. It smelled rotten, but I couldn't pinpoint a specific smell to associate it for comparison. We would open the windows and even the doors for hours, but it wouldn't help. It was annoying and distracting, and then it would just dissipate. 
Around this time, the COVID-19 era began and quarantine was in full swing. I had left for a spring break and was staying with friends in Missouri for three weeks. Whether school would continue was a big dilemma. I didn't care either way. I was enjoying the long, fresh nights of uninterrupted sleep. No demons, no nightmares. It was sweet bliss. When I finally got word that the school would continue, I decided to press on and finish. When I returned, I realized it would just be Jen and I to the end of the semester. Ray and Diane wouldn't be returning, and I didn't blame them one bit. I was relieved for them. They would finally be able to heal from all this. The night I moved in was a night I was welcomed back with another nightmare. Diane called out for me in the night. I instantly got up and joined her on the top bunk to try and calm her fear and anxiety. When I looked in her eyes, they rolled back into her head and her jaw dropped open. Her skin faded to a grayish rotting color when swarms of flies suddenly burst out of her eyes and her mouth. I screamed and hopped off the bed and called outside the door for someone to help me. I looked up to Diane's bed and took a step back into the darkness behind me and heard a voice whisper in my ear, you're next. I gasped into consciousness and took deep breaths to try and soothe my beating heart. I laid there for a moment when I felt something. I could feel a cold hand touching my right leg. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed in fear. I remember screaming out to God to make it stop. Thankfully, he showed me mercy and I went to sleep. Classes were almost all through conference calls during quarantine. I just wanted to go home. I pushed hard to keep my grades up. I lost interest in music during this period, so I spent all my time studying and working. I started taking naps during the day to help me get some sleep since I wasn't getting it at night as much. I felt like a walking corpse most of the time. I stayed away from Miss Thompson at all costs. She tried to talk to me, but I always cut every conversation short. I wanted nothing to do with her or with whatever was living in her apartment. It was just a few weeks until finals. I just had to endure it a few more weeks. It was Easter Sunday. I was getting ready to see my boyfriend at the time when I heard something jump on the bunk bed next to me. Startled, I flinched, but saw nothing. What I did see was a bunk bed slightly rocking back and forth. I screamed and ran into the bathroom and slammed the door. I would have ran out of the room, but I wasn't decent enough. I desperately called Ray on the phone and told her what happened. She stayed on the phone with me until I calmed down and had enough courage to open the door. When I did, there was nothing there and the bed stood still. I quickly got some clothes on and left. Finals week was five days away. I was so exhausted. I went to bed that night feeling like I was losing my mind. Little did I know this would be my second to last night in this horrible situation. This night would be my final straw. I laid down to sleep that night when I got the most unusual sensation. The only way I can describe it is the feeling one gets when a limb falls asleep and cannot move it without pain. This sensation covered everything from the tip of my toes to the top of my head. I was in agonizing pain. I tried to toss and turn to get into some comfortable position, but I just couldn't. And I moaned out loud for it to stop and leave me alone. My body was covered in sweat, and I could feel the heaviness getting stronger. I almost yelled a second time, stop, leave me alone. All I remember after that was waking up the next morning. I usually never told Jen the things that happened to me, but this time I did, and her reply shocked me. I had the same thing happen to me the other night. That was it. I was leaving, and I didn't care how, but I was leaving. I contacted my mom about coming home. I convinced her I would be able to do all my finals from home, and she agreed. 
When it came time to leave, I asked Jen if she wanted to move in with someone else for the rest of school, but she said she would be okay. I felt badly for leaving her alone, but I just couldn't handle it anymore. I came home and everything stopped. I can't say I never had another paranormal experience ever again, but that's a different story. But I can say that I never had any issues in the safety of my own home. I passed all my finals and didn't fail any classes for that semester. It was amazing considering my mental and physical state. Over the summer, my insomnia was slowly cured, and I never had another encounter with a demon of room 232. Over the next few months, I healed quite well. I won't go into many details of what I did at home, but I felt free. I took a semester off of school before returning. Why would I return? Well, my parents wanted me to finish, and frankly, I had pushed my bad memories so far away I thought I had the strength to finish. How bad could it be? Besides, I thought I was 100% better. Unfortunately, for me, this was the worst choice I could ever make. When I arrived on campus, I wanted to keep a very low profile. I didn't want the trauma or drama to return to my memory. However, it wasn't that easy. Not two weeks into the semester, I had fallen apart mentally. All the memories of pain returned, and I realized what a horrible decision it was to come back. I'm not going into many details, but it got to the point where I almost died and I had cut off friends, including my best friend. I never wanted that to happen. I just wanted to be a good kid and finish school. To end my story, I'm still recovering from all of this. I'm in therapy and doing my best to get better. Stay safe and never forget to take care of yourself before you help or please others. Jesse. I can't say I'm surprised that the administration responded like that. Yeah. But you'd think they would have at least offered you to change rooms. Yeah, to change rooms or like a blessing of the room or something maybe. Right. It's a Christian college. I'm so sorry y'all had to go through that, but I'm glad that... You're getting help, you're healing, and I hope your roommates are too. Okay, the next one. Let me preface by saying, yes, you can use my name, and you ladies are so funny and awesome. When I was around 10 or 11 years old, we bought our first house, and being that we grew up with very little, it was a huge deal. It was older, built in the 1930s, so it had a little work to be done. For a while, the house was fine. Made noises here and there, you know, the normal house settling noises. But sometimes it would be hearing someone coming up or down the stairs, someone walking in the hall, or just walking to another room when no one else was there. The place that always gave me the heebie-jeebies was the basement and my bedroom. Our basement was unfinished, painted cement floors and a drain hole in the floor with a shower curtain around it for a shower, pallets on the floor with storage on top because the basement flooded when it rained a lot, and It was just dark and dingy. I still have nightmares. You never felt alone. Like someone was always watching you from around the corner. My mom saw shadows walk past while she showered, thinking it was my dad. But when she mentioned it or called out, there was no answer or he was adamant about it not being him. My sisters and friends and I would take selfies, hello early 2000s MySpace pictures, and see orbs all around us in the living room. And in my room, every once in a while, I would feel someone sit on my bed with me. I would just pull the covers up over my head, because they can't get you from under the covers, and wait for the feeling to go away. I could physically feel the pressure, but no one was there. Just recently, my sister, let's call her Fall, told me that she once saw an old lady sitting next to me in bed. I, at first, was mad she would just do nothing and continue to use the restroom, but now I think it was my grandma just watching over me. 
As for the house itself, we did a lot of research, going through old newspapers, looking at the plot, records, any tragedies, and nothing. No one was ever recorded dying there or around the place. No deaths of any kind. But someone or something was definitely there. Thank you, ladies, and remember, creep it real and don't get scared. Of course a basement's scary. Mm-mm, that basement you described sounds scary. Fuck a basement. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, and it floods? Uh-uh. Right? Uh-uh. First of all, literally my thought was, how do you even fix that? Like, if you wanted to make it a like a finished basement, how oh, would you true. even fix that? I don't know. It's just wasted space. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Hey guys, I literally just started listening to your pod this weekend and love it. I couldn't help myself. I just had to share my stories with you guys once I realized I had some good ones to share. Also, I wrote this at work, so I apologize if it doesn't make too much sense or anything's repeated. So I live in a small town in Canada. So small, we only have one set of traffic lights and that's because a highway runs through it. I'd like to keep this anonymous just in case anyone who would be able to link this to me listens. I've never told my classmates anything that happened in my house and I'd like to keep it that way as I don't even tell a lot of my friends. My house had lots of activity. I'd say I'm sensitive to spirits and I probably attracted them when I was younger as we'd have many come and go who I either stayed away from or got friendly with. Anywho, back to the story. I lived with my grandma and her best friend. We'll refer to her as Dee. My cousin, who is also my lifelong best friend and sister from another mister, came over a lot, so she'll be in my stories most of the time. We'll refer to her as Kay. One night, she was sleeping over, and we had a pretty silly day full of shenanigans, as per usual, when we get together. So I think we were in bed fairly early for our teenage get-togethers. I think it was probably 11 p.m. Well, we were laying in my single bed together because we didn't want to take it apart like we usually did, since we were just not feeling it. My bedroom was off the kitchen and my bed was against my closet since it was used for storage and I couldn't use any of it, which was along the wall of my bedroom door so you couldn't see it from the kitchen. I hope that makes sense. Well, we heard the water running from either one or both of the taps in the bathroom. We had a double vanity and when you were usually alone or it was late at night, you'd hear the water being turned on and left running. And I think only once I caught it running when I went to check and there was no reason for it. Anywho, back to this story. Sorry. On top of the water, we heard Dee playing solitaire with her cards at the dinner table, which was really weird as she usually went to bed at 10 to read before going to bed. I should note that Dee loved to play solitaire at the dinner table if she wasn't reading or watching her soaps. She was also 75 or 77 at this time and had just broken her hip a few years prior. I mention this because it's important to know for later in the story. My cousin and I thought it was weird, and of course, I was the one who had to peek around the corner out of my door to see if Dee was sitting there. She wasn't. After telling my cousin, we heard all the noises stop, and we just looked at each other and rushed to pretend like we were sleeping. Well, as shit you not, Dee comes into my room and on the way in grabs her ankles quickly like she needed to steady herself. I could feel her aura walking the walls of my room till she got to my bed. We could feel the energy from her standing over us. She was a tall old lady for what felt like forever before she again followed the walls and left my room. However, before she did this, she held on to her ankles again for a quick second, pretty tight. Needless to say, we were freaked out. Again, we heard the cards being flipped onto the table. So again, I peer around to see if she's there and she's not. All the lights in the house are off except the sunroom, which was her bedroom. 
We're freaked, so we get up to go investigate, as we did frequently when we were both awake and weird things were happening. Well, we checked the bathroom. She wasn't there. To get to the bathroom, we obviously had to go into the kitchen and into my living room, and then the bathroom and my grandma's bedroom were off my living room on opposite sides. She wasn't in my grandma's bedroom, and my grandma was fast asleep. We checked their living room, which was the room beside my room. Now, I remind you, the only light on besides our cell phone flashlights at that point was Dee's bedroom light, so I think I would have been scared to see her sitting in the dark by herself. Thank God she wasn't in her living room. Leaving me to check her bedroom, I didn't go in because her day bed was right in the center and she had exotic plants all over. Remember, she's over 75 and has a bad hip from when she broke it, so mobility is not great. So she couldn't have been under or behind her bed hiding. Her bed was made and she was not in it. And obviously she wasn't on the ceiling or I would have noticed. I should note that we had a lot of cats and four usually slept in her bed and there were absolutely no cats in her bedroom at this time, which I took notice looking back on. Kay waited in my bedroom for me since Dee's bedroom was off the mudroom on the other side of the kitchen and there was a window in the kitchen which you could see into Dee's room from. I went back with her to regroup and we're standing in front of my door so we're in the kitchen and I'm telling her I don't see her and I'm wondering where she went. I remember Kay looking into the mudroom with a stunned look on her face. So I stopped mid-sentence because what the fuck, how rude, what are you looking at? And guess what we see? Dee standing right frickin' there with this menacing demeanor, a dark aura and energy around her, and a look on her face that I cannot describe. My jaw dropped. Where the fuck could this old lady have been in her bedroom? Where did she come from? Because Kay said she came from around the corner from her room. Dee was possessed by the spirit that had always made me feel uncomfortable and scared in that short hallway going to the bathroom. I mean it, you guys. Like, it was so bad. Even if I was home alone, the bathroom door had to be closed when I was in there. No guests liked going to the bathroom on their own because of the hallway. And even when the house had others in it, you still felt like you had to run through that short hall to get to the bathroom or else. Dee quickly came to. Thank God it didn't escalate and she didn't attack us. She couldn't remember a thing. She asked what we were doing and said she had fallen asleep in bed. Dee was always falling out of bed and getting cuts and bruises. I'm glad she sold the house, but I worried that entity followed her. She's in an old folks home now, and since I'm not immediate family and with COVID going on, I haven't been able to see her. Not that she'd say, oh, well, this has been happening. Well, I'll give you an extra since we're here, but mind you, I could go on forever all freaking day. Kay was sleeping over one weekend, and we both knew Dee's husband was with her still in the afterlife, so we were making some jokes about him and his hauntings. I know, not cool, but hey, we were teens. What can you do? We weren't trying to be rude or saying anything we thought was mean. And I remember before she left, she said, I wouldn't be surprised if Don got you one day. And I was shocked and floored. Like, what the fuck did you say to me? I was so taken aback. I simply asked her why, and she said, because the way you joke about him. So again, I said, I only poke fun at him when we're together, and he's harmless. I'm sure if he was going to do anything, it'd be to the both of us and a long time ago. We've never talked about it since, but that night when I was going into bed, as soon as I shut my eyes, a man in a military uniform was standing over my bed with red glowing eyes. Obviously, I was used to seeing spirits when I closed my eyes or in my mind, if this makes sense, and so I opened them and the energy was gone. I was startled, but I wasn't scared. I knew Dawn would never hurt me. I later told this to a friend who was very spiritual who told me it was not Dawn at all, which is why I wasn't scared because I knew. 
I'm assuming it was the same thing that possessed D and made people uneasy in the hallway, which is where my full body mirror was and chalkboard for studying. Let me tell you how uneasy it was to curl my hair at 6 a.m. for high school with that feeling. Okay, okay, here's one more if you have the time. One morning I woke up to get ready for high school and it was pretty basic morning. However, I noticed a presence behind me looking over my shoulder. I couldn't see anything in my huge dresser mirror, but when I looked behind me, I saw it. I want to say him, but it never confirmed if it had a gender to me. It was like something out of a Japanese cartoon or anime. Like, I shit you not, its face was white and looked like a mask. It had bird-like shaped black eyes, purple lines below its eyes, and I don't recall if it had anything for a mouth. It looked like a mask. Then its body was pure black and kind of faded as you looked lower to its body. It had no arms and a tail like Genie from Aladdin. He disappeared whenever I acknowledged him that morning and would come back as soon as I continued getting ready for school. Well, it turns out that that was a dream because I woke up for school again and this time I pinched myself to make sure I was awake. And I was. Everything was normal. That spirit wasn't there. But just like the dream, as soon as I started putting my jeans on, I felt it. So mentally, I put myself in a solid white bubble, pushing him to the corner of my room. And when I opened my eyes, I could feel his energy in the corner. The rest of the morning, he stayed in the corner of every room I went to. This spirit I became quite comforted by. He was a jokester and prankster, but they were all innocent. I still feel bad to this day because I woke up one Sunday while Grandma and Dee were at church and the internet wasn't working. The internet was in my grandma's room, plugged in behind her king-size solid wood headboard. You couldn't move it, especially when the bed was attached. Yet the internet was unplugged. I blamed that spirit and told him it wasn't funny. Because I think I was talking to a good friend I had a crush on at the time, so as a teenager, messaging him was top priority. The spirit was outside my grandma's bedroom in the archway connecting the kitchen and the living room, sad because I accused him of it and it wasn't him. I apologized, but still felt awful. It wasn't my grandma who unplugged it either. She thought it was just a problem on Belle's end and was going to call him when she got home if I couldn't fix it. I can't confirm if it was the same thing that possessed Dee or if it was one of the other spirits, but none of them had done anything like that before, and it was a way to cut communication. It makes me wonder if the home phone was unplugged too. Keep on creeping on, ladies and fellow creepers, and keep it real spooky, A. Y'all be just talking to people and inviting them in places. I'm not about that life. No. Alive or dead, I'm not about that life. <laughs> no. I hate talking to people. I don't hate talking to people. I no, just, you love it. Yeah. I mean, I just want to do it with my bra off and some, like, short shorts on and, you know. Well, that entity or whatever it was unplugged the internet and messed all that up for them. Yeah, see, I would not be cool with that. Also, who is D? Is that really Carrie? Because she would be playing solitaire. You're not lying. My mom would play that all the time, like, mm-hmm. with the cards and stuff. And I'd be like, ugh, okay, let me help you. <laughs> I can, like, remember how she would hold the cards in her yes. hand. Yes! Okay, the next one. Creepy Encounters. My name is Tiffany S. I'm from Carrollton, Kentucky. I have two stories I would like to share with you gals. Sorry in advance if it's long. First story, I was 15 going on 30, thinking I know everything, which I sure didn't. But hey, that's what teens do. Me and my sister's room was right across from each other, and we didn't have doors because of how the house was built. The ceiling went up to a point, like the roof, so we put up see-through sheets. My sister is only two years younger than me. We were really close and we still are to this day. 
It was around 2 a.m., I believe. This was in 2005, so it was a while ago. But I looked up to check on my sister, as I did every night, because I protected her from everything, because she had been bullied all her life. I looked up and saw a man with curly hair and a top hat on his head and a long black coat bent over staring at my sister. I quickly didn't think twice because I was scared for her, got up and walked over to her room, but when I moved the sheet, he was gone. So I checked to make sure she was okay and I went to lay back down. Something told me to look out my bedroom window because it was beside my bed and as I did, I saw the same man staring at me. He was under the street light. I stood there froze at what I was looking at. A car passed and he was gone. So I chalked it up to I was tired and went to bed. The second story. It was a year later from the top hat man thing that happened to me and me and my friends were walking out past curfew. So it was like 2.33 a.m. and we were walking through this alleyway and it was pitch black. Suddenly we heard something running in the leaves behind us coming at us. We turned around really quickly and shined our flip phones because it didn't have a light on it and there was nothing. So we just said it probably was a squirrel or something. So we decided to walk in the street with streetlights. I shit you not, we looked behind us to look for cops because we didn't want to get caught after curfew. And when we turned around, there was something solid black on all fours crawling towards us. We all saw it. It was crawling under the streetlights and everything. So we ran home and didn't speak about it again. I haven't encountered anything else like that, but my sister has, and I will send that in another story. I love you ladies. I try to get my girlfriend to listen in, but she's not into the paranormal like me. She's real sensitive to things, and when it gets brought up, she gets real in touch with that side, and it scares her. Creep it real, guys, and don't ever quit the podcast. Yes, you can use my name. Sorry for the grammar mistakes. I'm a hillbilly. I write how I talk. That fucking thing crawling at you, mm. First of all, you know, at 3 a.m., I'd be so sleepy, my eyes would be crossing, uh-huh. so you know that thing would look extra creepy. Oh, gosh. Like, I'm literally sleepy just thinking of you being awake at 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm more about the top hat man. That is scary as fuck. Well, and like, I didn't think that it would just be like outside watching you. I thought it was like an inside job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what was he doing on the outside? Well, you know, we had one... I think last Sinister Sightings that they saw a shadow figure with the top hat outside. True. Maybe they're evolving and that's scary as fuck. Okay, last one. This is titled Footsteps. Hey besties, so glad to finally send you in my story. Me and my mom have been hooked on your show and love the banter between you two. As a big girl myself, I love how relatable you two are and it feels like I'm hanging with my best friends. Moving on to my story. When I was about 12 and in the sixth grade, I had a strange experience in my childhood home. I lived a street over from the house, but my grandparents still lived there. So I would always walk over and hang out on the computer in their back room. Well, one day I was on the phone with a friend while playing Neopets or something like that when I hear the front door open and close. So to preface, the back room is literally at the end of the house, so you would walk through the living room and the kitchen to get to it. My grandpa always ran errands and would usually come back around lunchtime with takeout. He might be the reason why I'm extra large. And so hearing the door open, I thought it was him. I even heard his boots on the tile and his keys jingle in his hand, like always. But as I shouted out, hi, Papa, it immediately got silent. After a few minutes, I told my friend to hang on and I put the phone down. I thought maybe he was looking at the mail on the table and that's why it was quiet. 
But after investigating and checking all the rooms, no one was there. The door was even still locked. So I went back to the room, and as I was saying to my friend, that was weird, the footsteps of someone in boots started up again, but this time it was like it was walking super fast to where I was. So I ran out the back door barefoot and went around the house to the front. I unlocked it when I checked earlier. And so I went back inside, curling up on the couch until he really got home. Later, when I told my grandparents, they didn't believe me and said I was just hearing things. But when I told my mother, she said she experienced things like that as well. Like hearing my papa yell her name in her ear. She thinks that the spirits like to mimic my grandpa. She also had a neighbor tell them when we moved in that a gang member was killed where our porch was built. Not sure if there's truth to that, but even though... I still stayed the summers there, and I never felt alone, and had a few light switches go on and off. I hope you ladies enjoyed my doppelganger grandpa story. Keep being you and creep it real, Cat from Texas. I do think that they try to mimic sounds that you know. Yeah, which is so creepy. And I love that your grandparents are the ones who had the computer. Also, my mind, like, how did you make a phone call while you were on the computer? Because I guess in my head, it was late 90s, early aughts, you know? Well, I think she was playing a game, not on the internet. Internet, okay, okay, okay. Because, okay. you know, back in the day, you didn't have to have the internet to play games because it was all on the CD-ROM. Touche. But also, your papa is a man after my own heart bringing takeout for lunch every day. Yes, hello. Like a little blue plate special action or like some tacos? What's he bringing? Oh, I thought they meant Chinese. <laughs> okay, that's not the only takeout. I know. I don't know why. I just thought Chinese. TV. Well, thank you all so much for these stories. Keep them coming. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com is, you know, where you send them. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.